Welcome to today's episode of Converging Conversations. My name is Onika Jefferson Cornelius. I am your host and the founder of Convergent Solutions, LLC. Converging Conversations is where we come together, we converse and talk with amazing leaders who are joining us to share their stories, personal and professional, and to share how they've made the connection between who they are, what they do, and how they serve others. These conversations are designed to pique your curiosity, challenge your thinking, and encourage you to unleash more of you in the world. So today's guests are two phenomenal women that are working to collaborate, lead, and share their experiences and the best practices with emerging HR leaders across the African continent. Wow, I am so glad to be in the space with these two amazing ladies. May Makaria, May is a global talent acquisition director that has led transformational change in the HR and talent acquisition space. May has driven programs in areas such as university relations, recruitment marketing, and process design to optimize optimal organizational operations. Over the last 22 years, she has facilitated the hiring of thousands of professionals and executives across the globe and is a Nairobi, Kenya native. May also holds a Bachelor of Arts in Business Management from the University of Colorado and a Master of Arts in Organizational Leadership from Regis University, both of Denver, Colorado. We also have Cynthia Chirinda. Cynthia is a human capital consultant and a strategic broker who's worked with various organizations, international development agencies, government ministries, coalitions, political organizations, and many faith-based organizations in forward-thinking diversity, equity and inclusion, leadership development, youth and women empowerment across Africa, the US and the UAE. Cynthia is also an esteemed and accomplished author with a number of books and DVDs designed to shift Africa's development. Wow, I don't know what I did to deserve to be in this space with these two amazing dynamic women. So with that, let me first say welcome. First of all, welcome to 2023. This is our inaugural episode for the calendar year, which is amazing. It's not lost on me that we are doing this in February, which here in the US is a significant month for African-American heritage and history and accomplishments affectionately called Black History Month. And so to be able to be here with you all is an honor. It's an honor. So let's go ahead and let's just jump into it. I, I would love, May, if you start us off, tell me a little bit about, in your words, you know, what made you decide to accept my, my Adam the Blue invitation to come and join the podcast today? Well, First and foremost, I'm just going to say thank you so much. I am truly honored to be in the same space with you, Dr. Annika and Cynthia. So amazing, amazing women. Um, and I would say the reason I chose and decided, it really was not even a question for me, honestly. The biggest thing was, um, number one, you and your alignment oh. with your values and really what you just explained just now, right, is an opportunity to be in a safe space to talk about, you know, who we are, how we connect, what we do, um, and honestly, how can we serve others? So if I can share anything and my stories and that helps people, that is an opportunity for me to be able to just share that. And I think the other piece is really the topic itself of reimagining Africa, HR um, and the emergence of Africa, there's so much happening. There are mega trends that are, so I believe we're at a pivotal point in our history for Africa and talent. And 
so I'm excited about this conversation. I think there's a lot to uncover and unpack. Awesome. So thank awesome. you. Hey, I'm so glad to have you. Miss Cynthia, May and I, we, we, we've met uh, a couple of times over the last few years, but meeting and spending time with you last year at the Africa HR conference was amazing. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. It is really awesome to be here and I'm so honored that you have taken time to invite me and to host me and to just call panel and discuss with May. Uh, honestly, you ladies have been amazing from the time I met you in um, that conference in 2022. That was a total milestone moment for me because it uh, provided a total paradigm shift in terms of just some of the lenses that I then put on. And I think for me, one of the biggest um, things that challenged me is just your Afrocentric approach to solutions which unfortunately is not always embraced uh, by what Africans would ordinarily call Westerners. So what I liked is how you had a very inclusive and accommodative and embracing approach to um, even the delegates that we had at that conference. And uh, you were not only coming in to share what you had, but you were kept on saying, we are here to also learn. So I am also here um, to continue learning from you ladies. And this is why I accepted this, uh, this um, invitation to this conversation. And for me, just that one word that you had when you shared with me, Onika, and you said the purpose of this conversation is to help us so that we see how we might engage in meaningful conversations that bring the whole being. So once you start talking about wholeness, I don't even need to read everything else that comes after that <laughs> because I'm all about wholeness. So I'm really honored to be here. And uh, it's, uh, it's a great privilege, even as I am working more uh, here in the African-American landscape mm -hmm. and um, impacting human capital uh, still within the African-American community, but in a different location. So thank you so much for having us, uh, Onika. Most definitely, yeah. The... Uh... The conference last year was amazing. It was probably, as I think I shared, one of the most significant uh, experiences that I've had. I've had the opportunity to speak and do keynotes and, and the like, right? I, we all have, but there was something about being in that room with those people who it, it was community. And you don't always feel that, right? I mean, you know, we, we go, we, we come and we bring our stories, our expertise, you know, the things that we want to make sure that we share, but being in that space and, you know, there were so many different highlights, but one of those highlights was being able to share the space with you both. I would love to hear as you think back, I mean, because we, we both, we all three of us actually spoke uh, on multiple topics. Cynthia, what was, as you think back and reflect, what was probably one of the most memorable moments for you? I think um, when I listened particularly to your emphasis on the belonging aspect of um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and you spoke about the belonging, and then your emphasis on us really unbundling what that meant and the way that you infused that and the way that you allowed all of us, both the resource people, the facilitators and the participants to be able to interrogate themselves as far as uh, whether they themselves, we ourselves felt like we belonged. 
I felt that was a major takeaway because so many times you do a lot of things uh, because you are able to do them. But uh, at the end of the day, you want to ask yourself, do you feel that you belong in the space where you are being asked to participate or where you have chosen to participate? Or are you still there just uh, performing a perfunctionary role? So there were so many things that we could take away. Um, I mean, just even May's presentation and so many of the other presenters. But uh, I, I would say on the whole, just hearing that uh, we are not just looking within ourselves for solutions, uh, but we are also beginning to get to a place where we develop the tribe. And, you know, I really love that. And you must know we have adopted that. <laughs> you know, really? Wow. Yes, awesome. The tribe. So, yes, that, those are some of my major takeaways that I must say I came away with from that conference. Oh, that's awesome. May, what, what stood out for you? Wow. Uh, I, you know, you've both said so many things um, that had an impact on me. And I think one of the other pieces to all of that for me was the dialogue in the sessions. But I'm going to just point out Cynthia's exercises that she yes. took us through. I'm going to say that the vulnerability yes. that was in the room to really share where people were and I think the focus on wellness and mental health and how do we really manage that. And honestly, those pieces stood out for me, but it was a vulnerability of people. And these were HR leaders across Africa being open. And especially the men were open to really talk about what are they really going through from a personal perspective as an HR professional on the continent. And to me, that was a learning opportunity and a learning for me as well to say, wow, we are really going, I believe, in the right direction as a continent, as professionals, as leaders on, in Africa. Growing up there, for me, it was heartwarming to see that we are on that path of wellness. And, you know, as HR leaders, um, uh, out there being able to actually drive that. But I loved the exercises and that dialogue that happened. So I, I wanted to say thank you, Cynthia, for walking us through those exercises because I just the vulnerability in the room was amazing. And May, you hit, so can we just talk about the fact that we had so many men in the yes. room and in the space? I, I will be honest, it is so rare especially here in the US, when you have a, a lot of HR conferences, when, you, when you're going to sessions and, and things, a majority of your audience is women, right? And so to have so many men in such key leadership roles in HR that were thoughtful and intentional and bringing hard problems to the table to solve, and A, that's that's not always easy, but B, to just have that level of transparency to say, this is what we are struggling with. And, you know, have you seen this before? And what have you done? I loved it. That was that was so refreshing. That was powerful. Cynthia, your thoughts? Great. Yes. I mean, I was really caught up and I was actually thinking, you know, this dynamic of having participation of men uh, and especially them allowing themselves to be vulnerable. Uh, and we're not just talking about men, we're talking about African men. Yes. 
Yes. yes. So just that <laughs> yeah, say some more about that for me, because that's, that's <laughs> so that's, as you were saying that, I, I, I was quiet yeah. for a moment because uh, one of the things that I am also involved in, which even though it was not one of our discussions on this platform, is just. Uh, leading from a spiritual perspective in spaces where you're talking about people's spirituality mm -hmm. and uh, having that role uh, where I exercise pastoral leadership in some spaces. Um, we're generally coming from a patriarchal society, but even though um, the African context has been bedeviled by that, and I use that word because uh, what, what we have seen are the ugly horns of the patriarchal system and how it has entangled uh, a lot of things and uh, stifled progress. But sadly, what happens is that sometimes when it comes to some of the spaces where the men are actually needed to participate, we find that there are more women involved in the room. Uh, so I just found that um, it was really different that we would have men in the HR space, particularly. Yeah and African men as well, uh, and that we were having that conversation. So for me, I felt that we are making some serious uh, progress in terms of helping each other sensitize um, the key issues and uh, humanize the workplace in a lot of um, areas. So yes, it was, I must commend the conference organizers indeed as well for whatever it is that they did to be able to speak to the different um, you know, target audiences and have the men there. So that was significant and uh, their participation was definitely not token. They were there, they were fully present and their contributions were felt. And I liked that they even allowed us to challenge them. And when I say us, I'm talking about the ladies. Yeah. They allowed for that debate to go on. They felt that, okay, we are not fighting but uh, we are allowing each other to show each other different perspectives. And I must tell you, being having been born on the African soil myself, mm -hmm. that we're coming from a background where normally when it comes to the female and male um, uh, dynamics, usually the males would have the last word. So when we then have that happening, where the men can actually sit down and listen and hear their fellow counterparts who are female speaking. I think that a lot, uh, that already tells us a lot about some of the shifts that are happening. So we are in a beautiful fluid space, which I believe should That's be- amazing. Should really be leveraged on. And uh, so to anyone who's a consultant out there and you're listening to this podcast, uh, I would really just want to say to you, uh, read what is in the environment, read what is in the atmosphere right now. Uh, yes, there are statistics out there, but there are also some real shifts that are taking place, such as what we experienced at this conference. So just make sure that you are not only riding on the wave, you're not only tagging on, uh, but that you are developing an understanding of the changing uh, times. So that's, uh, as you can see, I can say a whole lot, but I'll stop there mm -hmm. for now, Onika. Yeah, you know what, Cynthia, I appreciate that because so much of, I think, the challenge, and maybe we would love your perspective on this, We because the HR function and those capabilities that sit within HR, people, human capital functions, 
the the perception is that it's dominated right by by women at least here in the U.S. So having that juxtaposition was powerful. I hope that's a shift that we see almost in the reverse, right, May? Where it's like we're seeing more men mm-hmm. coming into the space that are you know leading cutting edge thinking and visionary strategic, you know, really intentional innovations in HR, right? Because we're at a, I think we really hit the tipping point, you know, globally around the people experience, right? How people come into work, how they see culture, how they think about, as you mentioned, Cynthia, belonging. Uh, The employee value proposition has shifted. I don't even wanna say it is shifting, it has shifted. And I think that there was just a lot of room. Organizations are still grappling with what does that mean? What does it mean to be people centric, right? Not just having HR that is the keeper of policies, all thing governance, and you know, every doing everything to keep, you know, leaders and managers out of jail, right? Which I think a lot of people still think of the HR function as. But mm-hmm. how do you have, you know, your rainmakers? How do you have your innovative thought leaders? intentionally focusing on the HR space and the people experience. I'm hoping that we're there. I am. I have another question, you know, I, and I ask this of a lot of people that end up in our space. How'd you get here, right? You know, um, when we think about everything around human capital and, and how we come to this discipline, every story is unique. Every story is unique. May, what led you to this space? So that's a good question. I would say I've, I think I've always gravitated towards focusing on people. So ever since I was really young, I actually thought I would open up my own clinic as a psychologist. And I was one of those people that people would come to in school all the way from age of 10, right? So I ended up studying HR. I started psychology and then I moved into the B school, but I really actually made a decision to say, I want to focus on people. I've always been very interested in how do we think? How do we, what makes us tick? And, but my ultimate goal and my passion has been, okay, that's how we think, that's how we operate. But my own value system as well, aligned to that is I want to serve, I want to help. I want to say, how can I understand people and then help transform that into, helping people really reach their fullest potential, right? So having studied HR, been in this space for the last, you know, really my whole career, Mm -hmm. um, talent acquisition is where I've really landed. And I think the beauty in talent acquisition has been, I've had the opportunity to help facilitate a process for people where they can connect their own value system I can help connect that to an organization's value system. And truthfully, it's not just transforming their careers in my mind, it's actually transforming their lives, right? Because it impacts a whole community once somebody starts something new and it actually aligns well for them. So for me, that's my passion. That's truly my passion is how do I help people tap into their superpowers, their competencies, their skills, and then really align that from a value-based system. But, um, and I share it from my stories, but coaching people through that transformation um, is critical. It's personal. 
um, for people and making that transition is not always easy for people. So wherever I can help serve and support them, that's really been how I landed in this space. So I'm one of these weird people that I say, I actually chose talent acquisition. I didn't fall into it. Um, and so I'm excited to be in this space because we are in a transformational space as talent acquisition and HR as a whole. Exactly. But I almost say like we came from the basement on, into the boardroom almost overnight. <laughs> and so it's a very exciting place to be, to have such an impact on people's lives, on organizations and, um, as, and, and individuals. So yeah, gets me excited. You're, you're, you are spot on. Um, solving the people agenda is keeping many a leader up at night. So I can imagine you are pulled into too many if not all of the conversations around what this needs to look like in the future and who are, you know, the groups, the audiences, the, the, the pipeline that we want to tap into. I think that is continuing to evolve and change. So it's, it's, it's always intriguing when, you know, somebody has a passion and a love for that. And clearly you do, clearly you do. And you know what I love about that, Onika, the way she just talks about that boardroom and uh, basement analogy. And mm -hmm. I can tell you, I just see, some serious tough staircases between those two spaces mm -hmm. because usually the boardroom, depending on who does the architectural designs, the boardroom is usually located in the most um, prestigious. If it's, a, if it's an apartment building, you know, it would yeah. be in the upper echelon of the building. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like in the penthouse of the building and the ba basement is like way down below. Yeah. So for me, uh, uh, May, you just using that analogy to me it speaks about steps growing into something and that growing into something because Onik asked us a question and she says, how did you get there? How did you even get into this space? You know, how did those men get into those spaces? Mm -hmm. So I think just that growth journey is something that uh, uh, can either be intentional, or deliberate, or sometimes you just have to catch up with it because sometimes people run away from their callings and their vocation. So we have a lot of people who are in the people development space, but they're actually not into people. Ooh, so I know that sounds very contradictory. <laughs> no, you have, you have opened, you have, you have, you have raised the, that's the box, right? That's Pandora. Yeah, there are so many know, people in HR yeah. that don't like people. Like exactly want to be in the people's space that's so they're working with people they're in people development but they're not into people so mm -hmm. most of it requires that your growth i also believe in as much as it is professional it also has to be organic and also mm -hmm. within you because how are you tracking from the basement to the boardroom it's not only about your technical uh, know-how i mean obviously we do know that uh, i think they the statistic that's out there generally says 15% of your take, um, it says it takes, technical skills are 15% of what it requires for you to be in a job. However, it is the 85%, which is the interpersonal humanized skills that are actually required for you to be in a fulfilling job and for you to fulfill your role. So just taking this conversation from where you're asking us, Onika, about how do people get into the spaces where they are, sometimes the technical expertise 
unlocks and opens that door. So, oh, I've got this degree. Oh, I've got this qualification. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you've got the qualification. Yes, you did take time out and you invested in it. But is your heart invested mm-hmm. in it? Is your passion, are you consumed by it? Mm. So I love the fact that May talks about starting from a, an age as early as 10. She was already people's consultant. People were coming to her. Hey, May, I've got this issue. And you must <laughs> know some of these people that come to you are even way older than you. And you're thinking, hello, I'm just a teeny little girl. How yes. can I help you? But they're seeing the savior in you. They're already seeing the solutions provider in you. So I think it's about being able to actually realize where we belong and being able to use everything within us, our faith, being able to use our mind, being able to use our hands, being able to use our heart to take us to that boardroom. So there may be a lot of steps and those could be physical steps, literally, where you have to go through processes, where you have to go through the red tape, where you have to go through gender barriers, where you have to go through nepotism and up until you get to that place where you belong. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I'm really enjoying just learning uh, about uh, our different journeys and uh, just looking really at how people get to the spaces that they get to. Onika, thanks for sharing that, May. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. I, you know, as we talk about talent, I'm sorry, May, were you going to add to that? No, I, I, I was just going to say you're welcome. And I was just going to add one more piece to that is that yeah. I think that you know one of the things that I think people might miss in this whole process of careers and thoughts and Cynthia you just touched on that is what are their values and how do they align and I almost say that you know people might be leading with their skills and going for jobs just based on their skills but the introspection that is needed I think is critical Um, if somebody's thinking about how do they land in a space that they're in is what are your what's your value system and what's your passion and then you know, what are you actually really good at? And being able to uncover that is a true introspection. Um, and I believe that there's a path for joy in work, right? That, I know it sounds weird, but I believe there is an actual opportunity to have joy in what you do. So you're, you're spot on. And, and the fact that you're saying this and we're all career coaches, you know, we're all lighting up, right? Because... <laughs> You know, these are the questions that we ask. I, I had a client last year as as he was thinking about what does the career, the business transition look like? What does the next step look like? And he is amazing. He is masterful at his craft and what he does in the technology space. And one of my questions as we were just going through some of our discovery, I said, well, what brings you joy? Right? What does it look like when you are doing what you love and it brings you joy? And he had a pause. He was like, wait a minute, I haven't, I'm good at this. I know all the things I'm good at, but I haven't been happy or had joy. In a I'm minute. not deriving the joy from this. Right? And so you have to wonder, right? So is it, is it culture? Is it the opportunity? Is it, is it circumstances? Is it, in, is it internal? But that's an amazing place to start to unpack that. Right. It's really and, amazing. And I think like you rightfully said, we're talking about uh, human capital here. And I think when we look at careers, people tend to take away the human uh, fulfillment aspect of it and focus more on performance. So I think for as long as our focus remains on performance 
and uh, our structures, everything is revolving around, okay, at some point it's gonna be a performance appraisal uh, on my role. I think we now need to start really questioning how we should be evaluating uh, job satisfaction. And you know, we should even start questioning some of those <laughs> words like jobs should we even call them should we even call it a job <laughs> because for as long as it's a job it's like well someone's got to do it but are you happy whilst you're doing it so yeah i think there's just a whole lot of uh, opportunity for us to reframe a lot of things not just in terms of terminology but in terms of what they actually mean uh, when we are an employer and we are extending an opportunity to another individual for them to come and add value to the organization, yeah. whilst we are adding value to them, what exactly does that look like? How do we really describe that? And are we sure that we are not just uh, creating this uh, fancy, creative, attractive uh, bait that's gonna catch them? And once we catch them, then they realize, oh my goodness, I'm trapped. Yeah, there was a dollar value that was assigned to this job, but uh, I feel like I am just in this bag where I have to be gasping uh, at the end of the day to get oxygen and come back again and be bagged. And sometimes because there's the nature of our roles and you know, with the, the pandemic and everything that has happened, sometimes our jobs have become perpetual because they're following us home. So which means you're constantly bagged. You're in this place where you're constantly performing and doing these things. Uh, but you're not really ultimately uh, deriving the joy from it. So that's a very co great conversation that uh, uh, you've brought up there, Onika. You know, you, and, and gosh, we, we, we could probably talk forever. You know, so much of what's happening, and, and may I know that you're seeing this, the shift from jobs, right? What we're, what we're mm. starting to now have, I think, are the right and deeper conversations around skills. Uh, we, we, we're having, you know, leaders that are, trying to really think about what does it mean when you have talented and knowledgeable people in the midst, right? How do you create mobility? How do you have talent marketplaces? How do you focus more to your point on skills, which allows an organization and people to be more nimble, not locked into doing just one thing? Uh, nobody wants to, I think at this point, commit and say, this is the one or two things I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Is that realistic? Is that, you know, that's not how we're wired. Uh, that's not what, you know, as we just talked about, gives us joy and energy. So I think that it's, it's, it's time for us to start having the deeper conversations about what does it mean to, to be much more focused on human capital for real, right? I'm interested in both of your takes or, or one of you, whoever wants to jump in. Mm -hmm. We're talking about human capital. We're talking about talent acquisition. There is, so, there is a sea of changes that are happening, right, mm -hmm. as we enter 2023. How do these challenges, are, are, are these challenges more nuanced or are there different challenges altogether for the African nations? And if so, what are, what are those critical things that you see that are happening that are prompting the reimagining of HR for Africa? I don't know, May, you wanna go take it first? <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll go first. I think you might have been closer to the, the space in the continent than I have been lately, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll start with this caveat. I have only had one job in Kenya, right? So I was a swimming instructor and then I moved to the US. So my context is from an 
I would say not necessarily 100% outside perspective because I understand the culture, mm -hmm. um, but just kind of giving you that nuance, right? So as a di African diaspora um, person. So, and the interaction with the African HR leaders over the last several years, just learning from them, what are they going through? But th this, is, this is what I see. I, I feel like we are at a very pivotal point in Africa around talent. And I'll, I'll share why, because right now, Africa has the youngest, fastest growing population in the world, right? And mm -hmm. when you think about the entire global landscape, I think there are three things that Africa really should think about, like HR leaders, how can we get into this space is, first of all, the people landscape. We have so much talent sitting in the continent. And I'll say that a big portion of the rest of the world is struggling to fill positions. Yes, there have been major layoffs that have happened over the course of the last month or so, mm -hmm. but I'll tell you that there've been almost, just in the US alone, 920,000 open positions as of November last year in technology that could not be filled, right? Wow. And being in the talent acquisition space, I know how hard it is to find very specifically, I would say, let's say technology talent. There's an opportunity, I believe, to really find ways for early career talent, reskilling talent in Africa, and really building that component because companies are either going to come in globally, so we need to start thinking globally, so they'll either come in, set up shop, or we have the opportunity to do cultivate that talent and get it ready for literally the global landscape, right? And during COVID, we've had the opportunity to work virtually. And I don't believe that a lot of companies have necessarily looked at that opportunity. Mm -hmm. We are absolutely in other continents, right? Like we're in India, we're in other, other places, but this a huge population. And so it's a people global landscape that I think we need to shift to. That's one thing. The other piece for me, I think is just two others is one is leadership. So mm -hmm. when you think about the HR continent and the leaders as HR folks, um, we need to have change agents. Change is happening. We are lip frogging here in the US in terms of how fast we're moving. Yeah we're going to need to leapfrog there. So there needs to be major change agents. And I believe the HR community has the opportunity to do that. Um, and I would say the last thing is technology. Mm -hmm. Technology is critical in automate, automating. And I know that HR folks think technology is not part of their business, but it is. It sure is. Imagine if we sure. automated things in the systems, if we looked at technology to help us work better, and then help reskill talent where the global for workforce is moving towards. So those are my three themes. Um, but I, I get so excited because <laughs> there's so much opportunity, there's so much talent. We're one of the richest continents in minerals. And you know, there's a green focus happening right now as well. So they're looking at how do we extract that and help the rest of the world with a, you know, going green, but it's going to take human capital. It's going to take leadership. It's going to take change management. 
And um, so I think we're at a pivotal point and we need to be ready. I love that because I think what you really just summed up is first of all, there's the image of the continent, right? That it's 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 a continent of of export export nations, right? It's about what comes out of Africa as opposed to what needs to come in. Exactly. And the ability to to tap into its richest resource, which is its people. Mm. And I remember seeing the numbers around Kenya having the youngest demographic and more young people. It, it, they, it's like, you know, there are these pools. It's like, we always say to leaders, right? They're like, well, we, we can't hire people. And the question is, well, where are you looking? Cause I, you know, it's like, wait a minute. There are all of these different, you know groups and people and demographics that can create such a robust opportunity and pipeline if you know where to look, it's like any other resource, right? You have to go where they are. That's really true. That's really true, Onika. And what I love about what May has just said, I know she did, she has described this as we are at a pivotal point. Yeah. In my mind, I was actually thinking of evolution when you were mm. describing what you were talking about, Onika, earlier on. And I was saying, I'm seeing that we are evolving. And if we actually don't, take note of the fact that there is an evolution taking place, that things are constantly changing. Uh, and the face of something today does not mean it's gonna be the same face that is gonna wake up looking like tomorrow. So what does that mean? So I think for me, I'll tag on the, the leadership, which is what I was actually going to respond primarily to, and May has done an excellent job um, just really expounding on it. But what we are really now looking at is uh, the kind of inclusive leaders, you know, how, how we can develop and build those inclusive leaders who are authentic, you know, uh, they, they can be trusted, they have humility. Uh, you know, how do we build leaders that have emotional resilience? you know, mm. someone who is full of composure and they're self-aware, someone who has uh, self-assurance, um, you know, and they can walk in confidence and optimism in spite of what's happening, you know, because we've got a lot of curveballs being thrown over. We've got a, a leader who is showing inquisitiveness. Those attributes are not, um, basically they're non-negotiables right now. A leader has got to be inquisitive. They've got to be open to differences. They've got to be curious. They've got to show empathy. Otherwise they will not be able to, to uh, become inclusive in their approach. They need to be flexible, you see. And, and for as long as they cannot tolerate ambiguity and adaptability, chances are they will be lost in this whole evolution process. So they need to build critical competences, you know, in order for them to become inclusive leaders. And uh, this is what we need, uh, not just um, in Africa, but globally, if we are going to be able to appreciate what each continent has and what it represents. Because uh, for as long as a leader is not able to achieve transformation, you just spoke about being change agents, it means they cannot lead with courage. They cannot persuade others. They cannot drive results, right? And uh, for as long as uh, a leader cannot build interpersonal trust, it means that they cannot value differences. They cannot instill trust in others. Mm -hmm. uh, for as long as they cannot integrate 
diverse perspectives in the boardroom that uh, May was just telling us about? How do you balance the different stakeholders? How do you manage the conflict? I mean, those are major attributes that we need in our leaders, um, not just on the continent, but globally. And, you know, how do they optimize talent? You know, being able to just drive that engagement, being able to develop talents and being able to collaborate, you know, how, how, how do they apply an adaptive mindset so that they have situational adaptability, they can share a global perspective and cultivate innovation. Because I think most times people leave organizations because they feel they're not valued. So they are leaving people because what they may have as a light bulb moment, and you spoke about embracing digital transformation and technology may, for as long as we are not automated in our systems, I don't want to wake up and be handwriting things for the rest of my life. And we find that we are still in those spaces where we're still manually doing things. And uh, that makes things so rigid and so difficult and challenging. So I think those would be my submissions to some of the thoughts that you just um, challenged us with there, Onika, just yeah. riding along with what May said. Yeah, I love that. I think I, I counted probably about six or seven different C words, creativity, collaboration, all of these things. Um, one thing that sticks out to me, and it's come up a lot just in my personal life a lot over the past month, is the importance of compassion. Mm. Uh, those aren't, these aren't traits that we hear organizations looking for their next leader to possess, right? But the reality of it is they need it. Mm. Uh, if you've been watching the posts, LinkedIn, the papers, we, we're seeing a lot of things that are being done to people in, in the work landscape, right? That has been very tactical. It mm. has not been relational at all. Mm. Uh, it has not felt or been compassionate. And so there is, there is a huge need, as you mentioned, May, to understand and articulate what feels like to me the new, you know, the new version of a leader. Relational thinking, that's exactly. powerful. And you cannot be compassionate until you're thinking relationally. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. That's not just about the process. That's not just about the business. It's understanding that without your people, there is no business. And I think that we're still trying to figure that out. Um, man, this is good. I appreciate y'all. Uh, as you think about the unique experiences that have shaped you, please, this is open to either one of you. What are some of the unique experiences that have shaped you personally as a leader? I quickly go to my childhood, Onika, and uh, one of the things that I always share on the platforms that I get the opportunity to be on is uh, I'm not apologetic uh, to talk about my upbringing as an African rural child in a rural landscape where I had the, I call it both the opportunity and privilege, even though it had its own negative um, aspects to it, the opportunity and uh, privilege of uh, interfacing with nature, uh, the animals. So we had uh, domestic uh, cattle and goats and sheep and, the oxen, everything that you can think of on a typical um, rural environment. And uh, being entrusted as a young person 
to shepherd those flocks, to feed them, to open for them, for them to go and feed, for you to actually look out and see where the feeding is, where is the water coming out at? Okay, now they need to go and be um, disinfected. Okay, uh, where do we, how do we manage that? Uh, and being able to also balance that with uh, some of the expectations on the household front where you're a girl child and uh, definitely there's certain domesticated um, tasks and chores that are given to the African girl child. So for me, when I look at that upbringing in as much as uh, uh, it had its uh, setbacks, <clears throat> I believe that it cultivated in me a sense of responsibility of shepherding understanding that I am leading. If I don't lead properly, if I am, don't think beyond just myself, I could destroy a whole ecosystem. Wow. Because I couldn't just leave those goats to be feeding in one spot for a whole week because we were just then going to lose all the trees and all the grass in that section. Neither would I um, have the, 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 the cattle and the oxen going to paddock in a, just one section for a prolonged time. So all of those things, they grew me, they developed me. So I'm just saying this to say, when I look at my own upbringing, uh, there could be certain things that I would have said, oh, it would have been nicer to have been in such an environment which had maybe such level of comforts, um, but those things grounded me to be able to be compassionate, to be empathetic, to be aware of the environment, and uh, more than anything else, to know how to manage life with <clears throat> very little, very basic things. And uh, that gave me the ability to manage resources, limited resources, there could be a whole lot more that I could say, uh, Oneka, but uh, I want to say to someone who's listening, do not despise where you came from, do not despise your journey, because it might not look like your neighbor's colorful flavored journey, but trust me, it's that journey that you went through. Even the negative experiences that I went through, which I write in some of my books, Yes, they may have traumatized me, but that is what helps me to become empathetic and compassionate when I also now deal with adults or children or people who are battling with trauma. So I really want to thank God that um, I have been blessed and privileged to have uh, gone through the life that I went through and to have had the ability to glean the life lessons from those things. So to anyone who's tuning into this podcast, I want to say, look at the situation that you are in right now and ask yourself, what life lessons are you gleaning from your situation? Whether it's a work situation, whether it's a home situation, it's saying something to you. So appreciate it, glean some lessons from it and apply it with wisdom in the next dimension of your life. Thank you for that, Onika. That's uh, what I would say. Yeah, that is awesome. Who knew, right? This little rural girl was learning strategy Absolutely. <laughs> right? and, and intentionality and innovation and all of these things because that wasn't in our that wasn't in our lexicon. We didn't have the words for that. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. those are the skills and the capabilities that you were cultivating. I love that.
I love that story. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, listening to you, Cynthia, I that is such an amazing story. Um, and I, I very rarely tell mine, but I, I grew up in a very similar way with, you know, being able to really have resources that are, you know, no running water, you know, we had a water tank, we had, you know, out, outdoor plumbing, um, no electricity, we had a generator. So the resourcefulness that you have to have um, in, in life and, you know, being able to say, you know, it's a community, it's a community of people that you build around you to really be able to say, you, 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 we're not alone in this, yes. right? And, you know, just as I, as I, you know, kind of jump through all those years of things that I've had to go through, um, you know, and, and coming to the US and then adjusting to a culture. Um, and quite honestly, I know this is, you know, Black History Month here, and I'm Black and I'm half white, right? So it's mm -hmm. being mm -hmm. able to even understand the dynamics in the US, right? And understanding how do I fit into this? Um, and I think my upbringing, you know, gave me the opportunity to say, you know what, it's okay to be bold it's okay to be brave and don't be afraid to fail. It's okay. It's going to be okay. And I think those pieces of my upbringing have given me a level of sense of community to know that I can actually do things in that I want, that I dream. And sometimes I'm going to fail and that's okay, but it's what can I learn from those situations and who can I build around my community? Just like the two of you, you're part of my community. I like what you said, Annika, you're, you're part of my tribe. And mm -hmm. I think that's important in our lives. And especially with what people are going through right now, um, you know, in the corporate world with layoffs and if, you know, those listening in, you know, be, be brave, be bold, you know, and don't be afraid to fail. Um, and just look back to all your experiences and see how can you be resourceful for your next journey, right? And um, so I, I, I really appreciate the opportunity even just to be here to share some of our stories. So appreciate yeah. that. This has been an amazing time with you both. It has, a, <clears throat> it has reinforced so many things, but it's also opened my eyes to other things as well. And that's why I love this space because had we not had this conversation, I don't know that we would have known these things about one another, right? And That's our upbringing and how they come to bear. And it's funny, we're talking about our upbringing, you know, as we get ready to wrap, one question that I always ask my guests are, if you could talk to your younger self, thinking about everything you've experienced, if you could step back in time and talk to her and encourage her, what would you say? I would tell Cynthia that everything that is happening is all going to be used to work out for the good. Because when you're in it, you feel like you're stuck in the mud. Yeah. And sometimes when you're in that space and that discomfort, you can't see anything good about it. But I have now learned 
some four plus decades decades later that uh, <clears throat> whatever experience that you're currently going to go through, what you have been experiencing is going to be used to work out for something much better and much higher. So don't look at everything from a negative lens because there is positivity that can be derived from it, no matter how painful. That's what I would tell my little younger self. That's beautiful. I love that. I, I think I'm going to borrow from what I just said. I, you know, I, I had some shyness in me in my past and, you know, just seeing how I was evolving in my own life. Um, and I was sharing people would come to me for counseling. And what I would think I would say to May is make sure you also take care of you. Put your oxygen mask on because if you fill your cup, you can really help fill others, right? And I've been learning that. I've been saying, put your oxygen mask on so that you can actually do what you're passionate about, which is serve others. And um, that's what I would tell my younger self. That's what I would tell me. That is so beautiful. I am. Um... I, I love that. I would probably, <laughs> I think mine for me is keep living, <laughs> right? Um, I love it. Just as I, you know, I, and I've shared this with young people in my family or just in general, young people that are starting out in their career, you know, I think sometimes things happen and it literally feels like the end of the world, right? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, you know, especially <clears throat> We think about, you know, people are getting laid off or they have situations, you know, going on in their personal lives. Um, I think about the pandemic. I think about how mm. people have had to navigate a global trauma that has literally never been seen before. Mm. And one of the things that I think that I've learned is we just keep living, right? It may not make sense now, but keep living. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, it may be hard right now. You may have to put in more time. Keep living. Uh, you know, it, 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 it just it, it's it's so pivotal right now. And the other word that has become my word for the year, actually, is is what it means to be courageous mm -hmm. and have courage. I actually had a, uh, a client that I worked with years ago, Coca-Cola, and I, I shared this story often. He was transitioning from the organization and I put some time on his calendar. He had been there 19 plus years. And so I, you know, just kind of grabbed some time and I'm like, words of wisdom, you know, armchair quarterback this for me. How, you know, how do I navigate this? How do I get better? What, what do you, what do you, what do you think I need to know? And his two words were have courage. And he picked up his notebook and walked out of the room. And I looked around, I said, wait a minute, like, okay, I was expecting this sage, <laughs> deep profound <laughs> advice. And I look back now, and that was probably one of the best pieces mm. of advice and wisdom because it summed it up, have courage, right? Mm -hmm. Because to walk into the spaces that many of us have been called into, we may be the only person that looks like us. We may be the only person that has that experience. We may be the only person that can deliver the message that needs to be given in that time. And all of that takes courage. Mm -hmm. So, so that would be my 
my my message to to younger Onika that and stop cutting the fold because I did some stuff I probably had no <laughs> just stop cutting the fold and, and keep living and have courage um ladies thank you for spending this time and being in this space with me um I usually end and wrap the podcast with a one word checkout or check-in right that one word just sums up how you're feeling, how you're doing as we close this time together. So I will start, my word is joyful. I am full of joy being in this space with you both. That's my mm -hmm. word. Miss Cynthia, what's your word? I'm grateful, absolutely grateful mm -hmm. just to be in this space. Awesome. And May, we'll close out with you. You know, I'm gonna say, I, I feel very centered right now. And I'll say because both of you help me see the world in such a different way sometimes and perspectives. And it just helps me say, you know what, I, I feel centered. I feel good. Awesome. So we are joyful yeah. and we are centered and we are grateful. Ladies, thank you so much for all of your time, for sharing this space. I can't wait to share this more broadly. Uh, with everyone else and all of our listeners. So with that, we would love your feedback about today and what else we can do to create a space to have value-added conversations. How can you stay engaged with converging conversations in the community? We will be posting today's, today's podcast. You can find it on all the streaming platforms. You can also join us on LinkedIn and look for May and Cynthia to learn more about them. Cynthia has amazing books. May is doing amazing work. Find these ladies. They are helping to reimagine Africa and the world. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>